This is the Decoding Obesity Podcast, where we simplify, demystify, and decode obesity, helping you lose weight and feel great. So gear up for a fascinating journey through this ever-evolving field, and let's see what we find. And please remember that the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info. And now, here's your host of the Decoding Obesity Podcast, Dr. Avishkar Sabarwal. Hi, friend. Welcome to this episode of the Decoding Obesity Podcast. This is sort of a follow-up to the previous episode that we had last week. You know, last time we had discussed about reading the nutrition labels the right way. This week, actually, I wanted to focus on health halos. I'm sure you're wondering what do I mean by this. So listen on to find out more about it. Projecta Apte actually joins me back again for this discussion, and I want to welcome her back. Hi, Projecta. Welcome back. Thank you. Hi. And nice to, again, you know, have me here as a guest. I am excited. Yeah, no, this is very exciting. And I think it's very important, right? Because it's not just about the nutrition labels. I think there's a lot more that goes on on the packaging of a food than just the nutrition label. That's correct. And the important thing to understand is that nutrition label does tell us about the science. But I think when we buy things, a lot of times our emotions and our feelings come into play. And uh, there are certain things that definitely influence our buying decisions more than the nutrition labels. Sometimes just the way the food is packaged, it may be different and we may not even bother to look at the nutrition labels. So let's just talk about that and how important it is to understand what all of this is all about. So let's just start by defining what we mean by health halos, quote unquote, as we say, you know, simplistically, I think it's just, it's basically the marketing tricks that people use. Mm -hmm. So the health halos is the perception that a particular food is good for you, even when there is a little or not much evidence to confirm that this is true. Now, it is when a particular food is thought to be healthy, so people will purchase it without again thinking too much about it and maybe thinking just that it's going to be the healthiest food, it's going to be good for my body. And people have a strong belief in that, that it's a good food for me. But in reality, there's no real evidence to back this up. Yeah, I think that's important to understand that, you know, a lot of times when these big companies put out these products which are packaged, you tend to kind of believe that maybe they've done their research and what they're putting on the packaging is all genuine and it's all real. But a lot of times that may not be the case. Or even if they put out something that may be very, very weak science for whatever they're putting on the labels. And, you know, we take that as a fact. So um, let's just talk about what are these marketing gimmicks that these companies use? So again, I'm going to touch base, definitely the important ones, the most commonly used ones. The Some companies like, for example, hype riding, like some companies capitalize on the current health learnings and trends such as omega-3 that has, you know, we everybody talks about it or these days probiotics, like everyone talks about probiotics, the gut microbiome and everything. And marketing companies, food companies have started using these buzzwords, these terminology technologies into their products and supplements because they have been used commonly and everyone wants to make sure that they are, you know, with the flow, they are following everything that is out there. Now, I normally think that it is definitely important to avoid yourself in getting into this trap of buying blindly based on the buzzwords and don't forget to think about the underlying product. Like, you know, the other thing what I would say is, 
advertisement as coconut water being vegan or seaweed that is gluten free or prunes that they have no cholesterol in it. The promises like these on the packaging are usually unnecessary and perhaps it tries to target the lesser informed market or buyers. So I would say that when you look at something like this, stop, ask a question to yourself, is this claim really obvious or it is only trying to make a product more attractive so that, you know, I may potentially fall into this trap and buy the product. So look at that, think about it, ask a question and then make a balanced decision. That is what I always recommend people. Other thing I have seen commonly is products use natural claims like all natural. Now, ideally, if you look at the FDA guidelines, FDA hasn't developed any specific definition for the use of this term, which means any package can basically use this phrase that 100% natural or all natural without having to answer any of the regulations. And sometimes extremely processed food, like, you know, a food that is loaded with sugar, they can even put the label as 100% natural on its box because, you know, there's no specific definition to what is exactly natural mean. Yeah, and that's that's so important to understand, right? Uh, so I think what we'll do is uh, we'll kind of go over some of the things that um, at least I've commonly seen on packaging and dissect those, if you will, and see, you know, what the science is behind all of this. A lot of times we'll see terms like vegan or we'll see terms like paleo. And it's very important to understand, I think, that, you know, not everything that's vegan or claims to be vegan is great. Yeah. And not everything that claims to be paleo, quote unquote, is like the best product for you. Correct. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree with you. Being vegan is definitely doesn't mean that you are eating the healthiest food on the earth. The vegan food, basically vegan is what? There are no animal products used in that. So that doesn't mean that the product is not processed. It could be highly processed product and it could be vegan because there's nothing used as the animal-based products in that. And I mean, naturally, the food companies can claim that as vegan, which is, yes, true, but that doesn't mean that it's completely healthy for you. People do have a misconception that being vegan is a trend. And when I am vegan, that means I'm eating everything healthy, which is really not true. So I would definitely recommend that look at the product, look at the ingredients, read the food label carefully, ask a question whether this is really something that you want to purchase. It's going to fit into your meal plan, your health goals, everything, and absolutely then make a decision about that. Now, you know, sometimes even the paleo products, paleo products, again, the definition of paleo diet doesn't mean, again, that you are eating the healthiest food. The uh, choices that you are making when it comes to meat, they could be not the cleanest meat products that you are buying. They could be even the products that are uh, loaded with, you know, artificial ingredients, additives, and they may not be the good choices that you're making. So being vegan or following a paleo diet doesn't mean that you are doing the best thing for your health. Yeah. And I think it's very important to know that, you know, I actually once bought a paleo certified 
pancake mix. I'm sure our Paleolithic ancestors never ate pancakes. So, you know, it's kind of understanding all of this and, you know, synthesizing this information in our heads. I think when these buzzwords come onto these packaging, it kind of short circuits your brain to kind of you know, think that it's automatically healthy or thinks that's the right way to do things. And the one thing about vegan is, of course, if somebody's vegan for ethical reasons, that's a completely different ballgame. But what we're talking about here is about, you know, the health effects of being vegan. Now, chips are vegan, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're healthy, right? The other thing that's really thrown around is reduced sugar or reduced fat. And uh, let's just talk about that. What does that exactly mean? What is reduced sugar and what is reduced fat? So, yes, I mean, absolutely. Reduced sugar or reduced fat is a classic example of how marketing buzzwords lead to health halos on certain foods. Now, definitely fat provides some flavor to your food. And many times when fat is removed from the product, salt or sugar gets added into this product to make up the loss of the flavor. And again, fat-free food doesn't mean that it's healthy because you're taking the fat out, but you're adding some added sugar and salt in that to maintain the flavor so that you will keep purchasing those foods. Same thing with the reduced sugar. Reduced sugar products, definitely they have reduced the actual sugar in the product, but it gets replaced with artificial sweeteners that are generally added to, again, maintain the same level of sweetness. But artificial sweeteners, they have shown to slow down your metabolism or they have shown to create the imbalance in your gut microbiome. And definitely, again, those reduced sugar and reduced fat foods are not something that you want to go with thinking that that's the best product you're buying. One thing I noticed about, you know, reduced sugar is when you look at the back of the packaging, you actually see that when they say reduced sugar, it, it, they say, they'll say 25% less sugar. But, you know, if something has 10 grams of sugar, that means they've just reduced 2.5 grams of sugar out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not a lot, even though the packaging says 25% less. It, the percentage itself may be a lot higher than the actual amount that's gone down. And that's something very important to understand. You know, the one thing that these marketing uh, tools that these companies use are using percentage because percentage numbers will be higher. And they kind of hijack our brains to think that and perceive that this is probably a healthier. Now, definitely if eating 7.5 grams of sugar versus 10 grams of sugar in a product is healthier, quote unquote, but it really in actuality doesn't make a, a huge difference in what's going on into, you know, what's going into our bodies. Let's just talk about, you know, these fruit snacks and juices. They say 100% natural, made from real fruit. So not from made from fruit pulp. So okay. what's the deal with all of that? So definitely, I would like to say this for sure, that fruit snacks or fruit juices, even if whatever claims the manufacturing companies are making, these products cannot meet your requirement for a serving of a fresh fruit. So people are under the wrong impression that eating a those individualized fruit snack packages, they will meet your requirement for a serving of one fruit. No, that is absolutely not true. That's the first thing. Now, fruit juices generally, even if let's say, assume that they are made out of 100% natural juice, they will have some amount of added sugar in them. Plus, in the process of juicing, there is loss of fiber. So the nutritional value, the overall nutritional value of a juice is definitely not going to be 
enough or it's not going to meet the bare minimum requirements. Similarly, on the fruit snacks, they have added sugar or artificial sweeteners. Colors can get added. Additives can get added to kind of improve the flavor, you know, kind of to so that product can stay longer or so-called in a fresh condition for a long time on the shelf. So try, I would say, not to buy these foods or replace these foods with the actual fresh fruit or even, you know, just don't think about that. I would always go with the fresh fruit. If not, then the frozen is the second best option. Yeah, I was going to talk about frozen and, you know, versus fresh vegetables. We always have this kind of a perception that fresh vegetables are better than frozen. But one thing that I want everybody to understand, and I think I've mentioned it in one of my previous episodes also, is that, you know, these frozen foods or frozen vegetables are actually, they're packaged at source when they are picked right away. But these fresh fruits and vegetables that are available in the supermarkets, they're actually traveling. So the nutritional content actually goes down because of the whole travel that they've had and the way they're stored. So sometimes even if you don't have fresh fruits and vegetables available, you can still use the frozen versions and they're actually going to be equally healthy, if not more. Absolutely. And I would recommend that if you want to go with fresh, try to find a local farmer's market, try to choose the locally grown fruits and vegetables so that, you know, at least we know that the traveling time for those fruits and vegetables is very minimum. Right, that's true. What about, you know, packaging, especially for breads, which says whole grains or seven grains? What do you think about that? So again, multigrain or whole grain, they are not interchangeable terms. The whole grain means that all parts of the grain kernel, like the bran, the germ, and the endosperm, they are used in the product. In contrast, multigrain means that a food contains more than one type of a grain, although that doesn't mean that it is necessarily a whole grain. So in multigrain or in seven grain food products, one of the grain could be used that is made out of white flour. So it's not considered as a completely balanced or healthy food there. Right. And that's very important to understand. So even if something says seven grains, multigrains, that doesn't necessarily make it automatically healthier than a regular whole wheat kind of a bread or a, or something grain, that's yeah. made out of whole, whole grains. Right. So that's definitely important to understand as well. The other thing that I have noticed, and a lot of times, you know, the packaging will say zero grams trans fat. Hmm right? Hmm. And it'll say zero grams of this. So let's just talk about that because that isn't necessarily true, right? No, it is not true. And the US supermarket, I mean, if the product has less than 0.5 grams of trans fat per serving, the FDA allows the food label to read zero grams of trans fat per serving. So when the trans fat is used, you know, less than half a gram in the product, the manufacturing companies can officially put on the label as trans fat being zero grams. And this is completely misleading. I mean, there's no way that it's actually should go on the label as zero grams. And uh, we all know that trans fat is definitely absolutely bad for our health, putting us at a higher risk for heart diseases and stroke. And, you know, a lot of new research are coming and saying that trans fats are bad. So even the smallest amount is not recommended. And that is why I always recommend people, even if you see zero grams on the label, 
try to read the ingredient list on the packaged food and ingredient list should say trans fat in there however it will not be listed as trans fat but it will be listed as hydrogenated fat or partially hydrogenated fat so if you read those words definitely know that there is trans fat in the product yeah, that's correct. And it's very, very important to understand because sometimes the companies can actually decrease the serving size so that the trans fat will say zero grams because if the serving size is lower, the, the amount of trans fat, the total trans fat is going to be lower. It's not a percentage. It's an absolute amount. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it's less than 0.5 grams, they can easily say it's it's zero grams, but that may not necessarily be the case because this has happened. Actually, I've seen uh, products that say zero grams trans fat. And if you look at the ingredients, it'll say hydrogenated palm oil. Mm-hmm. So that clearly means that there is some trans fat there but just because it's meeting the guidelines it's not being listed as having x amount of trans fat per serving what about you know these random terms that are thrown around like superfoods I don't think it means anything, right? I mean, there are whole foods are superfoods. Right, exactly. So the term uh, superfood is definitely not regulated by USDA. And so marketers can actually use this phrase freely anytime. Now, FDA has not run any tests to measure the superiority of one health food to another. So labeling foods as superfoods can attract consumers, but benefit may not be that great. It may be very, very minimum benefits you might get from that food, even if it is labeled as superfoods. Right. And the other thing that I'm seeing now is all the rage is cage-free eggs. (laughs) So let's talk about that because I think the definition of cage-free is very different from the perception that we have of cage-free. Correct. Correct. So as you said, the definition of cage-free means that the birds are raised without cages, but it tells you nothing about any other living conditions. Now, for instance, cage-free eggs could come from birds that are raised indoors in a crowded spaces at a very large factory farm. So again, the cage-free doesn't mean what we think in our head as cage-free. So as I was saying that it could be raised technically cage-free, but in an indoor environment. So again, that just defeats the purpose. Yeah. And I mean, also, the you know, it doesn't tell you anything about the feed of the birds, uh, what they're eating, what they're not eating. Correct. Because at the end of the day, when we think of cage free, we think of free roaming birds that are going to be roaming around all day, eating all the natural foods, natural insects, whatever. And, you know, that's going to go into their eggs and, Correct. you know, mm-hmm. make the eggs healthier. But that may not necessarily be the case. They may just have humans giving them whatever feed they're giving them and they could still be cage free. So that's very important to understand. Other thing that I do see a lot is, I mean, again, organic, yeah. right? So I'm not saying that organic is not good, um, but the data, the science, I think is very limited in terms of whether they're actually beneficial or superior to the other foods, which are not raised in organic conditions. Correct. And especially I would like to talk here that I have been even noticing, I'm sure everyone has noticed probably that even the packaged foods are these days labeled as organic. And it's important for everyone to keep in mind that the term organic is not synonymous with healthy. Definitely not. Like, for example, organic mac and cheese is still mac and cheese. And that could be loaded with, you know, a lot of fat and added salt and everything. Organic candy is still a candy and eating in excess, just like conventional sugar, it's not good for you. So especially if you see those terms on a packaged food, 
that means nothing. I mean, do not definitely get carried away with that term and simply put the product in your cart thinking that it's a healthy food to choose. You know, one thing that I see very often is made from organic sugar and it just makes me uh, laugh because it doesn't matter, right? Because the body's not going to recognize organic sugar differently from, say, regular sugar. So the other thing, and I think this is probably with respect to obesity, I think this becomes really, really important that I want to talk about is the fact that sugar has many names and it does not always say sugar. It can have different ways of putting it in. And one form of sugar is not necessarily healthier than the other form, right? Mm -hmm. So what are the common types of sugar that are used by companies instead of just saying cane sugar? I think the common terms are like sucrose that has been commonly used, coconut nectar or palm nectar. These are the terms that are commonly used in on the food labels or on the ingredient list. Yeah, and I think uh, the other thing is that, you know, these companies will use agave nectar, they'll use Hmm. honey, Hmm. but the body doesn't really recognize this differently from your regular sugar. We very commonly understand high fructose corn syrup, uh, which is, you know, a very common product. We also understand sugar, we understand cane sugar. But what ends up happening is when they put in stuff like honey, they put in stuff like agave nectar, we think it's probably because it's a more natural, quote-unquote, natural product, it's going to be healthier for us. But that may not necessarily be the case because the body will still recognize it as sugar. Correct. And it's going to metabolize it in the same way. So that's very important to understand. That doesn't necessarily make the food healthier. No. The science does not prove that it's any healthier than your regular sugar. I think it's just when the honey is used instead of regular sugar or agave nectar is used instead of sugar, I would look at it as it's probably little bit less processed as compared to the actual white sugar but other than that there's no difference when it comes to raising the blood sugar or you know adding the same amount of calories whether it's the use of honey or use of sugar in that product right and you know one fascinating thing that's there in the marketing psychology is the use of the colors on the labeling right so if it's going to be it's going to be packaged in an earthy with earthy colors yeah, like bright green, green brown, brown yeah. it kind of gives a perception it's healthier Correct. but you have to understand that that's a marketing trick that's kind of trying to hijack the brain to feel that mm-hmm. oh this product is the right thing for me so very important to understand that absolutely i agree with you yeah Anything else that you've come across, you know, in your studies and what, you, what you've seen with your clients? I feel that, you know, make your decision as a balanced decision just because you are hearing something and you're looking the different advertisements on the television doesn't mean that that's a healthy product. Just because others are buying, you should go with that trend. Absolutely not true. Read carefully, not just the label, but the ingredients. And um, ingredients, the first five ingredients are used in maximum quantity in that food. As you go towards the end of the list, it's been used in smaller amounts. General rule of thumb, I would say that longer the list, that means the food is highly processed. Minimum ingredients you see on the food packaging, that means it's not that much of a processed product. Well, yeah, I think that's that's great. We've covered quite a lot of ground today. I think that should definitely decode all of our food packaging, right? We've had two episodes on this, one reading, actually reading the nutrition labels and one talking about the marketing trick that the companies use. I think that has been a very great discussion. Thank you again so much, Projecta, for joining me for this one. This was a lot of fun for me to talk about. Thank you. It was great pleasure. 
Well, uh, dear listener, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I I hope you've learned something from this episode. And I do hope that next time when you go to the supermarket to buy something, you keep these pointers in mind. I guess that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much. And I'll see you all next time. You've been listening to the Decoding Obesity Podcast. Please remember, the information in this podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely of the host and his guests and do not constitute medical advice. Views and opinions on this show do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of any organization. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com for show notes and more info. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.